This was the moment that I was like, no, sir, I take back everything I said about you last week because now all of a sudden you're you're flipping your switch. You're flipping your story and you are no longer concerned about how your actions are affecting the people around you. This is not just another housewife podcast. Celebrity gossip consuming my brain. You cannot tell me that for the last two years, all of these dates have not been blocked off with NFL stadiums. It is all happening. I'm Brett, and this is the Oops, I Gossiped Again podcast. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I am Britt. I am your host. I hope that you're having a wonderful week. We have a lot to cover, and I'm going to just jump right into it. The biggest conversation this week has been Tom Sandoval's interview with Howie Mandel. Meanwhile, we have some things that came up on this week's episode of Vanderpump, and I just want to start this episode right off with saying, if you listened to last week's episode, I am going to formally take back everything that I said about Tom Schwartz in that episode because I was very much on his side in so many areas. But what I saw on this week's episode from Tom Schwartz, and this doesn't even have anything to do with Rachel and the situation and the kiss. I guess ultimately it does because that led to a lot of the things that came out of his mouth. The way he acted the entire episode, let's just go there, was absolutely ridiculous. But what happened at the very end of the episode when he pops into the dinner, the hibachi dinner with Katie and Christina, my first initial thought is how the hell did this man know where they were? And as I'm texting my best friend and asking the same thing, Katie says it too. And he's like, I've been just creeping around. So did production tell you exactly where they were? Or were you seriously creeping around this entire resort while you're supposed to be attending your friend's wedding. I have been to the Dreams Resort, not the one in Cancun. I have been to the one in Cabo, and it is gorgeous. It is When they were showing the spa scenes, I have spent many hours in a Dreams spa. When I say that it is exactly how it was portrayed, it is that good. And I know for a fact that is a very large resort. So how did you find them? Like if it was production, I know they can't break the fourth wall, but... It was weird, but it is also the entire conversation. The audacity he has in the first place. He knows that she wants nothing to do with him. She went full tequila Katie and was rage texting. He knows in his minuscule little brain that this is not a good idea, but he does it anyway. And he is going there solely to ask the question, what does it matter if I made out with Raquel or not? And after reading tweets and th- and seeing people kind of go after Katie for saying, you want a divorce, he can do whatever he wants. The kicker here is that she specifically asked him and said, I don't care what you do. I don't care if you're hooking up with people. She's hooking up with people. What I don't want is that it's anyone in our friend group. And that is the one thing she asked. And that is the one thing that he could not keep control of. 
And Katie says, you told me for months that you would never do that. So, you know, he's playing this nice guy, I presume. I would never hurt you in that way. And I do still stand by the fact that I think he is still in love with her. I don't think he's over her, but he doesn't know how to handle it. And that's why he's kind of doing these things. That's why he's pushing the, I must talk to her. I have to make it right. But she says he's been telling her for months he would never do that. And then he does, but not only does he do it, he does it in her words, the most humiliating way. He does it in front of everyone. And earlier in the episode, he's like, it wasn't meant to be in front of everyone. But you guys went to this little like romantic table in front of everyone on purpose. Then you pull her aside and you go, well, let's go over here where no one can see. No, you did that shit on purpose so that everybody could cheer and you could get a rise out of everyone. And this is all happening in front of everyone, including Katie, who thankfully did not actually see it. She doesn't find out about it until Sheena, who calls Lala and in my opinion, purposely told her what happened because she knew that she was with Katie and she wanted to hurt Katie and she wanted to hurt and piss off Lala because she's mad about the wedding festivities, which we will also get into. But Katie's right. He does this in the most humiliating way in front of everyone. Now, while he's trying to make the typical Tom Schwartz excuse of, I was drunk, I was just having fun, I didn't pay attention, which he has done many times throughout their entire relationship. He has done the entire time he's been on this series, in my opinion. He's using that, I get drunk and I like to make out with people excuse. And Katie says, I'm done with you. Like, I've never had hate for you and now I do. And he responds with, that sucks for you. That sucks that you hold so much negativity. At that moment, my brain was like, Andy Cohen was right. This man does not know how to just stop talking. Now, I am all for someone not holding negativity, but if you fuck me in that way, if you, I'm not letting it go. I'm a cancer. I'm a cancer sun. I am a Capricorn moon. I am not going to let you disrespect me in any way and you're cut off. And he immediately gaslights her into thinking that she's the one that has to let it go. This was the moment that I was like, no, sir, I take back every fucking thing I said about you last week because now all of a sudden you're you're flipping your switch. You're flipping your story and you are no longer concerned about how your actions are affecting the people around you. And to look her in the face and put that blame on her and say it sucks for you that you feel that way without taking any accountability and just continuously, I mean, you just, you said for months that you would never do that. It was the one thing that you both allegedly had agreed upon that wasn't going to happen and you just did it. Take some accountability. Even if you think that it didn't mean anything and there's no chemistry, take some accountability. Say, yeah, I fucked up. I was drunk. I made a stupid mistake. I'm sorry. But no, can't do that, right? And when Katie's like, get the fuck out of my face. I think you're a drunk. I think you're pathetic. I think you're a loser. He responds with, this does not affect me. This means nothing to me anymore. And in that moment, I think he's so deeply hurt by her words but doesn't want to take accountability and doesn't want to admit that he was wrong, but that he still loves her, that he has no other reason than to lash out. 
And in his confessional, he says, you know, I always felt that Katie divorced me. And after this kiss, I feel finality. I feel free. I finally feel divorced. You guys set this up. And this whole kiss thing and the idea that Raquel thought that there was chemistry between the two of you, he is nothing more than a drunk maker outer. And I loved nothing more than seeing her in this episode feeling all upset that, you know, he wasn't interested in her the next day and he was high-fiving her. Like, this is a man who has continuously done this. Why do you think that that's any different? Because it's you. And it was throughout all that that I couldn't figure out if she's just that delusional that she didn't see it or if she's that calculated. And we're going to get into that here, but I just want to say everything that I said in support of Tom Schwartz last week, we can cut out of the episode (laughs) Know that I take that back. I hold the right and the reservation to change my opinion, to change my mind with every episode that I see. And this was the utmost classic example of that because that one scene that lasted for all of four minutes, three minutes maybe, that one scene really changed my perspective on him where he went from this, I'm I'm the nice guy, I'm not going to do anything, this is all so funny, to clearly calculated. He did all of this with the sole intention of hurting Katie. He should have made better choices, but we all know he's never going to. But the biggest problem is he, instead of taking accountability, went after her directly and gaslit her straight to her face and just pushed more buttons. So fuck you, Tom Schwartz. He has made the fuck, Mary kill game with these men on this show, absolutely impossible because now there is no longer a single male on that cast that could be in any other option than kill. And I always thought that it was a Mary Schwartz, but his true colors have finally, truly come out in the most hurtful, specific words and point that he could have made and he did it on purpose. So let's talk about the episode as a whole. We pick up the episode where we left off last week, which is the kiss with Raquel and Tom. And what I hated about this is that after they do it, you know, right out in the open, everyone's cheering. It was so tacky, so tacky. Everyone's cheering and they go off in the private, like in a little private space. Bravo purposely includes like all the making out noises. Come on, guys, come on. You could have picked up any other sound, you could have used conversations about the kiss happening with other members. We did not need that. We did not need that. It was tacky and gross. Sheena, meanwhile, is pissed off at Lala, but she picks up the phone to specifically call Lala and be like, where are you? What happened to you? And this is all at the white party, right? So Lala just says, like, I needed to get out of there. I needed a night off. It's fine. Not a big deal. And she has it on speaker. And first of all, I'm like, okay, I don't know why it's on speaker in the first place. But I guess they probably didn't expect Sheena to immediately say, well, did you hear what happened? Because I didn't see it, but everyone is saying that Tom and Raquel made out. In my opinion, she did this purposely. She knew that Lala was with Katie. She was already pissed off at Lala for not being at the party, but she knew that she was with Katie. So she called her later in the episode. She says, like, I called to express my concerns. No, she specifically did that because she knew she was with Katie and she wanted this whole thing to come out. If she had not, she would have waited 
until later where there was more confirmation because the phone call makes it sound like she doesn't even know if it's true. She's just hearing stories. And then they call back again and make sure that Brock says something that he saw and he's so happy for it. The whole thing is gross. I don't like it. It was all a specific setup to deliberately pour salt in the wound of Katie and put it in her face. Katie understandably gets upset and she and Christina go back to the room and they're done for the night. Lala sits there and has a conversation with James and Allie about it. And James is kind of just like, you know, obviously pissed as well, but doing his best to hold it together. And the one thing I don't love about James in this entire season so far is that on one hand, he's really doting on Allie and he's PDAing all the time and really, you know, kind of overcompensating for the insecurity I feel that he has with his relationship with Allie. But the minute that Raquel is mentioned, he goes in. But what was interesting to me is that we saw two different types of James reacting to this news of them hooking up. We see the James that is drinking which is the night that it happens and he goes in and calls them both a bunch of names. We see the way that James is when they're all at the hibachi dinner. That is when he is drinking and he is just unable to let it go. He's constantly going in on her. He's constantly having one-on-one conversations, trashing her. And Allie is visibly uncomfortable, as she should be. But then we see the sober James. And I don't think that I have ever seen a calm, serious James, but he's sober. When they're sitting at the pool and Tom Schwartz comes up so that he can explain what happened and Tom is trying to play that nice guy thing and he's like putting his hand on him and James is just like, don't put your hand on on my leg. Like, don't do that. And he is keeping it together and I commend him in that moment But as I kind of unpack this in my brain, it's two different James, the one that's drinking and the one that is sober. They are two entirely different people. Now, we have, of course, seen James go off when he's sober as well, but it was calm and cool and collected, and he was very serious because this is not just, you know, and this kind of goes for the situation with Sandoval too when everyone's like, What the fuck does James care? James is also friends with these people. And these are men that are consistently hooking up with his ex-fiance. So it's kind of the same thing as like what Katie's feeling, James is feeling right now. But he's cool, calm, and collected. But every time he's drinking, it's like he cannot let it go. But one thing, I saw a tweet that said the third of the new season, which is of WeHo, we didn't know we needed. And it was James. And I'm like, I love that because they leave the hibachi dinner and they go out to dinner with Katie and Lala. And I really, I, I do love that Lala and James are now in a place where they can be friends again, because I always loved their friendship. I really did. And also I like the way that those girls are embracing Allie as well. It seems like they all have done a really good job of that, but I love how they're embracing her. But it's what's happening after the white party at Sheena and Brock's room. And this is where they're all visibly drunk. And it starts off with Tom Sandoval just going, Raquel, Raquel, Raquel. Here's Tom's room key. Here's this. And Ariana is like, you're being annoying. Why are you doing that? Everyone is kind of speculating. And it does look like it. He had grabbed her ass right behind Ariana in front of everyone as well. If we think back to the podcast episode of Jamie Lynn, which is Sheena's friend, 
And she has Kale on there, who is one of Raquel's best friends. And they are talking about things that they know. And they're specifically talking about guys night. And they're specifically talking about the kiss at the wedding. And they both witnessed the kiss. They saw it. But it's when he they're talking about guys night. Remember on Watch What Happens Live, Tom Schwartz said, I knew about a one night stand in August. And now this week on Tom Sandoval's wretched interview with Howie Mandel, he claims that the night of guys night, which was when Raquel left the girls trip in Lake Havasu, that they started talking that night and he says that that was the first night that they had kissed. He leaves out the fact that they probably slept together. According to Raquel and Sheena's friends on the podcast, they saw for with their own eyes that there were moments of that night that they were all sitting, that the two of them were sitting together, very close, having really serious friendship. And Jamie even says, I went to the point where I made, I can't remember if she said it, she made an Instagram story or a reel or a TikTok, and I had video of them, and I had someone else's audio over it, or I was, I think what she said was that she was like making up the audio, and they were laughing about it because they didn't think it was anything serious, but she had deleted it because she felt like, well, maybe this does look like something more, and I don't want to upset Ariana. So now we're all seeing And understanding the very first night, this one night stand is most likely, we don't have it confirmed yet, I'm hoping maybe on the reunion they will, but is most likely that night after guys night, which was like episode two or three of the season. So now we're going to fast forward to the wedding and she's making out with Schwartz. There's this weird, it looks like he's grabbing her ass and he's really like egging it on. And in my opinion, I don't think there was like anger there. I don't think that there was jealousy there. I think that he was seriously just like, yeah, they're off. We're we're out, we're in the clear. Like nobody is ever going to find out about us hooking up because now this whole narrative has started between you and Schwartz and we can kind of build off of that. And I also think that maybe that's where this idea of Schwartz being a, the dupe And the stand-in where people kind of accused him of that. I don't think that he knew that. I don't think that he felt that that was happening. I don't know when Tom Sandoval told Tom Schwartz that they had the one night stand. He says he found out in August. The wedding was August 23rd. The, The hookup was likely after guys night. Was it before the wedding Tom Schwartz found out or was it after? We don't know that yet. But what we What I do feel, there's obviously something going on there. It's already happened. Now they're looking at it like, okay, well, the heat's off of us, so let's play with it. And what I noticed about Raquel, and I I already can't even remember if I mentioned this at the beginning of the episode, like I can't figure out if she's just delusional or she's that calculated. And throughout the episode, I began to see more of the person that I think Rachel actually is, like Raquel is this persona. And it kind of, I don't mean to make a comparison in any way because this is absolutely not, but it kind of makes me think of Paris Hilton. Paris has created this icon, this story of who people think she is, the dumb blonde, the bimbo, always wearing pink, all of these things. But in reality, she's a phenomenal businesswoman. She is so smart. She knows exactly what she's doing. She doesn't even speak like that regularly. 
she created this persona. She created this other person to put in front of people. And that is what I think that Raquel, Rachel has done here. Raquel is the Bambi-eyed bitch. Raquel is the one that can't put two thoughts together. She plays it so well. She's the beauty queen. She's going to laugh and giggle and live in her own little, you know, star star stream, whatever the hell it's called, stars on the ceiling in her room. That is Raquel. Meanwhile, I'm now seeing more of Rachel, who I think is just calculated. I think she knows exactly what she's doing. I think she knows how she knows how she manipulated herself to get on the show in the first place, right? Last week's episode, maybe it was even two weeks episode when they had the pool party at Tom and Ariana's. She's sitting on the couch having a conversation with Sheena and she's, you know, kind of defending herself and she's like, I'm not stupid. I'm not this. I'm not that. And that to me was like, I see you, Rachel. I see you coming out. And I think sometimes she forgets that the other person is supposed to be up to bat. Like the other, the Raquel is supposed to be playing into it. But she goes in and makes comments sometimes. And I'm like, mm, that's Rachel. That is an entirely different person. And I think she has calculated this since the beginning. What really irritated me about this episode, though, was that we have heard. And I feel like we heard even about this before Scandaval even came out. I feel like this has been a conversation that came up and people were really questioning for a while. But we've heard that there was a three-hour period where Raquel was nowhere to be found the day of the wedding. And multiple people have talked about it. She was asked about it by her friends and she didn't have an answer. Like they were like, were you with him? And she just didn't answer. She didn't tell the truth. She didn't say no. She didn't say yes. But in this week's episode, there's no reference to that whatsoever. There is a very, very small spot where, you know, Sheena is talking about how she really deserved this and why they got married and why this feels so different than her first wedding. And they show a little bit of the bridesmaids getting ready, but there's no information about that three-hour period. There is no questioning of where Raquel is. There is nobody even remotely mentioning that she wasn't there. They showed a small clip of her like strapping her shoes and makes it look like she was there the whole time. That irritated the shit out of me because we have been talking about that for months. We have been talking about that since like the press for the season came. We've been talking about this for a very long time and they didn't even show it in the episode. I do have something to say about the wedding itself though. Sheena made a shocking declaration, which I can't believe this was not leaked. She made a shocking declaration that she and Brock had actually been married for a, it was their year anniversary, the day of the wedding. They had gotten married, just the two of them. She made a comment about him needing a green card. Like I have, whatever, you do you. If you're in a relationship and you love each other and you know you're planning on doing it and they have a family, who gives a shit? There were a lot of people that were ridiculing her online for that while I was watching tweets. They knew that they were going to be getting married and they had a family, who cares? But how did that not get leaked? I was like, this is the best kept secret. This is probably the only kept secret for the entire series. And thankfully, Sheena was able to give it on her own accord when she wanted to. Uh, Bravo. But the whole wedding was stunning. Like, her dress was an absolute step up from the crop top. Stassi was right. That was the most hideous thing we've ever seen. The dress was gorgeous. The flowers, the entire ceremony, everything was beautiful. And everyone on her team 
that put it together and at Dreams, and I, I loved it. I loved it. I think she's very well deserved. It's about time she has someone who loves her. I do want to mention that there have been rumors all week that I don't believe for one second that Brock and Raquel hooked up. Like, let's let's not even go there. I love that none of them have even commented on it because it's just so fucking ridiculous. I think it came up on Dumois. I whatever. Uh, I don't believe that for a second. I'm just so happy for Sheena that she's finally getting what she deserves in a good way, in a good way. I didn't love that Sheena was giving Lala so much heat about not attending all of these things. I think I talked about it on last week's episode. Like she is the one that will just kind of dip out there. She's going through her own shit too through this entire time. And I, I think that's just respectable that instead of bringing that energy and those vibes to the the situations and to the festivities that she does dip out. But what caught me, and this is happening like in the conversation where Sheena is kind of being like, you had to, you have to be there. And she's like, I have been like this wedding is all about you, but like, you're the only one that wants it to be all about you. And it wasn't until the actual wedding when I was like, wait a minute, Lala isn't even a bridesmaid. <laughs> Lala is a guest at this wedding and right now Sheena this entire time has been going off about Lala not being at every single event. She's not even a bridesmaid and on Watch What Happens Live she was like you know yeah you want to get on me for not being there but I wasn't good enough to be a bridesmaid and I don't think she meant like animosity about it but I no girl if you are not a bridesmaid I would not expect anyone to be at every event throughout three days. This is your vacation. You are a guest of the wedding and the bachelorette party, I'm sure. That's where you're required to be, and that's all it is. End point, period. I really didn't want to give it any more energy, but we'll talk briefly on the Howie Mandel situation. Like, the fact that the only interview that can be done is Howie Mandel. I didn't even know Howie Mandel had a podcast. He knows absolutely nothing about the show. Allegedly, the drummer's wife of his band is the producer of the show. So we know how you got on it, okay? And it's also probably the band trying to think like, how can we do damage control? I didn't watch it. I didn't listen to it. It's I was not going to give my number to that. Howie Mandel is now like giving interviews about it and trying to cover his ass. It was all so stupid so dumb, but he specifically goes in and makes multiple comments of how he he tries to claim that he broke up with Ariana two weeks prior. He also tries to claim that she finally agreed to therapy, but he was already checked out. So now she's, you know, trying to love him and trying to book these vacations, but he's checked out. Like you wanted her to go to couples therapy, but you are going to say that now you don't want to be with her when she's actually benefiting and doing the work. Dude, come the fuck on. He did nothing but gaslight her straight away. And I actually saw a clip on TikTok of the reunion episode where he's like with Ariana and he's breaking up with Kristen and he gave the exact same story. I tried to break up with you multiple times and she's like, you never tried to break up with me. You you never did that. He said exactly word for word straight to Kristen's face of what he said on this episode or this podcast episode and also what he allegedly told Schwartz. Like it was word for word. 
If there is ever a person that is a classic example of a narcissist, it is Tom Sandoval. The big question here is, will he get fired from Bravo? Because clearly Bravo wasn't happy about this. Now, everyone's been kind of doing interviews. Everyone's been going out and telling their side and what's going on. But the things that he, kind of in the same way, like the things that Raquel paid TMZ to say to, the things that Tom Sandoval, these are all things that are going to be on their interviews for the reunion, which clearly pisses Bravo off. Andy is not happy about the whole situation whatsoever. But the question then becomes, can they get fired? Can they get their pay docked? They could absolutely have their pay docked because they get paid per episode of how things go, but it all kind of depends upon what is in their contract. And I was listening to an episode of someone that was an executive producer, and they said, actually, the first time this ever happened was with Ramona. And Ramona had done interviews and done things and actually had her pay docked per episode for the remainder of the season because she did it. So they could possibly lose some money. The big question, though, is will they be fired for this? Like, will he be fired for going and doing this episode? And in my opinion, unless there's something very specific in their contract that they cannot do these interviews, they cannot say things that are on the reunion, which I'm sure there are, but kind of everybody's doing it. So like, do you punish everybody? I don't know. Unless there is something very specific that they can fire for, which I don't think that there will be. I don't think that Bravo will fire them. Right now, Raquel and Tom Sandoval are the golden geese. You get rid of Tom Sandoval and Raquel right now for next season, what the hell else do people have to talk about? There are talks of Jax maybe coming back, which, quite frankly, I could give two shits about Jax and Brittany being back on the show. I don't... I don't want them on the show. I think they all need to kind of move on. I would love to see Kristen back on the show. I really would. I think she's good dynamic and she's really good with all of them right now. I would love to see Kristen back, but I don't want to see Jax and Brittany back. However, there is talks of Jax coming back. So if Jax were to come back, they they still, I don't think, can get rid of Tom or Raquel because there's just no context there. Like there's, they, they are the plot. They are everything in this story right now and Bravo would be making in my opinion a huge huge mistake for their ratings if they did so coming through the end of the season we are now going to start seeing the moments where people start noticing things and bringing it up and I was watching watch what happens live with Lala last night and Andy made a good point in saying like it's really interesting with this group that even if there are suspicions one person can say, no, I don't believe that. And it's just kind of shut down. And Lala was like, I was the only one that stuck to it and didn't let it go. And I do believe that there is a connection with Allie. I think Allie is the one that allegedly sees them at the Abbey together. And she's the one that tells Lala about it. And and because Allie, I, don't, I doubt, wants to like be the center of the drama but I do believe that it is Allie that kind of put that out there and said, hey, I saw them. This is what happened. But we'll see. I think the rest of this season is going to be very interesting. We're all kind of looking at it from a different lens, of course. I tried for so long to do it rose-colored glasses. But now that we know, like, as of the wedding forward, that this is when things start to get more intense, 
that I think we're going to start seeing that maybe Schwartz was right when he said they were really doing this out in the open and they were very brazen about it and just nobody saw it. I have just a couple things I want to talk about with New Jersey this week. I actually watched it two days after it came live and I don't know if it's like my subconscious now being like, this is your favorite franchise, but it's so overdone at this point. Like we're tired. We don't want to do this. I don't know if I'm just not into it or what, but I kind of had to force myself to watch this week's episode before I recorded this so that I knew what the hell happened. The ladies are going to Ireland. I was hoping that we're going to get a fun trip, that it's going to be carefree and everyone's just going to get drunk and enjoy Ireland. And clearly we know that that's not true. And what I hated the most about this episode, and I really do like Jen Aiden. I like her messiness. I like the way that she puts her foot in her mouth at all times. She says the dumbest shit. It really just fires everybody up. I really do like that about her. I don't love when she gets calculated. And this story about the makeout between Melissa and the random guy in the backseat, we've heard, we heard around the time of filming, like that this was going to come out. So it was no surprise. But I don't love that it's Jennifer that is the one that is bringing it up because Jennifer for the last two seasons this season and last season has done nothing but consistently bring up the fact that Margaret ruined her relationship by bringing up the infidelity. You are a hypocrite. And she even says to Danielle, I don't want to be a hypocrite and say it, but you are. That's what you're being and that's what's happening here. I would not be shocked if she gets just completely obliterated by these women, specifically Jackie, Melissa, and Margaret for the rest of the season for this moment because it is exactly what she was so against. It is exactly what she has garnered sympathy for from all of the fans. Uh, no, that's a generalized statement. What she's garnered sympathy for from fans, not all the fans, and she's going to stir this pot and do it. There's, of course, an argument at the dinner about the wedding once again. And what I was shocked about was that it was actually Jen Fessler that started it. And it's kind of interesting to me to watch these new housewives, specifically those three, and the way I, I don't actually I don't even want to lump Danielle into that because Danielle's kind of just fighting her own battles at this point. But Jennifer Fessler and Rachel Fuda watching I guess we can probably group Jackie into that too because she was fighting for her spot and the way they bring up the most random things at the most random times to start a fight. You can see the dynamic of all of these people that are trying to stir shit up, that are trying to start. I was really kind of shocked that it was Jen Fessler that brought it up at the dinner. Like, you know what that is going to cause. You know what that is going to create why? Why? You of all people, I just thought she had more of a level head. Is that Margaret in her ear? Who knows? Probably, but I was really kind of shocked by that. Also shocked that Jen Fessler made the bold statement that James Gandolfini was definitely inside of her. <laughs> I was like, could we have come up with a different way to say that? But let's just put it all out there. Let's just put it all out there. I can't imagine that this entire trip is going to go the way that the ladies think it's going to go, considering the fact that Dolores right off the bat was like, listen, we're not in Jersey. Like, calm down a little bit. And then like that, it just fires from all angles. I did think it was interesting that on Watch What Happens Live, there were a couple things when Melissa was on. Uh, number one, Joe Gorga looked hammered. It was almost as though he couldn't even get words together to answer the questions that Andy was asking him. I didn't love that. Not a good look. But I also thought it was interesting. Melissa and Cecily Strong were on together. You know how much 
impact the reunion seating puts on what, like you can tell who has what going on depending upon the reunion seating. And I feel that this goes for Watch What Happens Live as well. I think right off the bat, Melissa was already irritated. She wasn't on display, that Cecily was sitting next to Andy and that she wasn't. I got that vibe from the very beginning. It was like she already came in with a chip on her shoulder. When Andy asks her, you know, is this rumor of you making out with this guy? She doesn't even say no. She's just like, are you kidding me? She doesn't say no. She's just going off and kind of creating this whole thing. But then later in the episode, I think it was actually on the after show, she makes a comment to Andy and she's like, well, you're not a therapist. Basically, like, you're not going to be able to help anything. And he's like, well, you know, I've been with you guys for 13 years. Like, I, I... kind of been right in the middle of this dynamic with the two of you and they both kind of start going off on Andy and I think that she came in pissed off she came in hot because she was not seated next to him that she was downgraded to Cecily Strong which absolutely rightly deserved Cecily Strong is a queen and she already came in with this chip on her shoulder and wanted to fire back and come after him there were so many little things like she just kept snipping at him and snipping at him and Joe looks clearly drunk and makes a weird comment about the the two behind the bar kissing like uh, I didn't like the episode I didn't like it and something the whole thing just felt off but in the episode in her confessional she makes the comment after they're talking about the wedding like Teresa doesn't take any accountability which is absolutely true and she again brings it up on watch what happens live but no one like You, neither of you do. No one does. Joe doesn't take any accountability and Teresa doesn't. And this is a tale as old as time. I feel like we talk about this in every recap, in every podcast episode. They are the same person. They are the same person. No, Teresa is not right. No, Joe Gorga is not right. But neither of them take any responsibility or accountability for anything that they do or say and their actions toward one another. It is not one-sided here. And because it is not one-sided, it is never going to end. And to kind of circle back, maybe that's the reason that I'm just like, I'm over it. And what saddens me is that this is and always has been my favorite franchise. I love the drama and the fights and the overuse of anger and and snaky like behavior in Jersey like that's what we have all watched for when people when we talk about we don't like seeing that nasty behavior on Beverly Hills it's because it's different it's a different group of women it's a different vibe it's it's a different franchise this is what we go to New Jersey for and I I think that's a fair statement to make that everyone could kind of agree with But this ongoing Teresa and Joe and Melissa thing, it's exhausting. I actually started watching Ultimate Girls Trip season one because I realized when I finished watching last week's episode of Girls Trip, I realized that I got Peacock like in the middle of season two of Ultimate Girls Trip. And that was the one at Dorinda's home. I didn't even watch episode, I didn't watch season one. So I've started to watch season one. I just finished an episode that they had Melissa through this like slumber party at the house. The way she and Teresa are and they're having fun and they're enjoying one each one another. And it's just so refreshing to see. And I know I'm going back like three years because I think this was either right before COVID or right after COVID. I don't even know anymore. Time means nothing. I know this is like three years ago, but I loved it. 
I loved everything about it. I like seeing them have fun together. I like seeing them have conversations. They did obviously get into an argument about, once again, how Melissa got on the show. But they kind of, they both walk away and they're like, we're never going to agree on this and we're never going to come to a resolution. So let's just drop it. And they did. And that was it. And I, like, I want to see that again on Real Housewives of New Jersey. I love Teresa. I love the dynamics she brings to the show. I actually do really like Melissa when she's in that space. It's just this fighting is not it. It's no longer the vibe. I think we're all collectively over it. I would love to see an amicable reunion with them. I don't think it's ever going to happen. And unfortunately, I think for the show to move forward in a fun and entertaining way, one of them is going to have to leave. And that that's just my opinion. Speaking of Ultimate Girls Trip, I'm not sure if I even talked about this on last week's episode, but this Giselle and tequila bottle thing, like I haven't watched this week's yet. She is doing too much. It is not about the tequila bottle. And in my opinion, the person who I think stole the tequila bottle is Heather Gay, plain and simple. I think Heather Gay did it. We know she's got a lot of things that she wants to pretend she's, you know, this quote, bad Mormon. I think she did it. And I think she's just sitting back and letting everyone fight about it, just like with the fucking black eye, like move on. But it's not about the tequila. It is about Giselle trying to consistently go after Candace. And remember, this is coming right off the heels of filming of Potomac and filming of Salt Lake City. So there's still so much pent up rage and feelings amongst all these women. They haven't even seen their episodes. They just finished filming. They don't even know, especially on Potomac, how bad it actually is between Giselle and Candace yet. But Giselle is purposely trying to just get to Candace. She is doing it in a way that she is pushing Portia to fight with Candace. She is pushing Portia to do the dirty work, which I feel like she does to Ashley on Potomac. I think she puts little things in Ashley's ear and knows that Ashley will go after Candace. And Portia is just that added bonus that now we have a woman who's even stronger than Ashley. And now Portia will really go in on her with zero fucks given. This is not about a Casa Azul bottle. It is not. It is about Giselle and Candace. And Giselle is just messy that she's going to find any way to do it. I, 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 I'll be interested to see how this comes to an end once I watch this week's episode. If it's going to, who knows? And uh, mark my words, I feel like it was Heather Gay. So I'm putting that bold statement out before I even watch the episode. <laughs> I want to end this episode, and I might actually kind of do this from here on out, if I remember, to mention some things that I have on my watch list this week. Number one, we have today the finale as well as Sunday night, a live reunion of Love is Blind. Um, What I don't love is that episodes have been coming out on Fridays. I thought they were Thursdays. Every single Thursday, I have looked for more episodes. I did not like that there were only, I think, two episodes released last week. Like, we didn't even get any information. I still stand by all of my predictions that I had on last week's podcast about who is going to get married and who is not. The kicker is this live reunion show. They have never done this before. And in my opinion, I think it is going to be an absolute shit show. Number one, I don't think that... Nick and Vanessa Lachey are good hosts for this 
at all. I think they are terrible. Um, thankfully last season we had Vanessa kind of like dig in a little bit more on some things, but I don't think they're good hosts. Like we need an Andy Cohen. I, that, that maybe that's the problem. Maybe I hold reunions to a standard of what Andy should be doing. They're just not good journalists. They, they don't ask the right questions. They don't get into anything. I don't know how long they have allotted for this live reunion, but could you imagine? I've said it before. I would pay so much money to watch on Peacock, like live reunions of any Bravo show. I don't know what's going to happen. But the other thing I have a problem with is this apparently begins at 8 Eastern on Sunday night on Netflix live. I don't know if I've ever even seen anything live happen on Netflix. The technical logistics of it just kind of blow my mind. Also, you, this is not going to work out because I feel like collectively 75% of the country is living for every moment of succession and you are going to start this live reunion one hour before succession. You might get people that are going to start watching at eight o'clock and they are going to immediately move over to succession. (laughs) That time slot choice was not a good idea at all. They should have maybe pushed it to like Monday when nothing was on. I probably would have watched the whole thing. Speaking of succession, I still have not recovered from that episode last week. And this is a spoiler. So if you have not watched Succession's last week's episode, you're probably living under a rock. But the way that they portrayed, spoiler, spoiler, (laughs) the way that they portrayed Logan's death in episode three coming right out of the gate uh, was unlike anything I've ever seen on any television show ever. It has a 10 out of 10 on IMDb. And that's like unheard of. That never happens. I feel like I held my breath through that entire episode. And in the after show, like behind the scenes, they were talking about how they wanted it to feel like a real time death, like be in the moment with family members after they're finding out about their loved one dying. Like you're not there with them unless you are, you're not seeing them. You're not, you're just getting the secondhand stories. And it was absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. And I don't, I have not recovered. It is Friday. I'm still, that was Sunday. I'm still not recovered from it. I am terrified to see how the rest of this season goes because I feel like they're all going to crumble. I am not sure if they are going to be able to keep this alliance amongst them because essentially now it's maybe no longer about selling the company. Maybe it's now back to fighting who is going to be the successor. I just, I I think we were all kind of in the same boat, like completely dumbfounded. And for a character who was rightfully just so mean to his children, he was a beloved character and he was is going to be greatly missed. And I think that the way that Brian Cox has portrayed that character throughout this entire time was impeccable. Every single episode this season just continues to give on succession. And I'm telling you, if every person on this cast is not nominated for an Emmy, I I, I quit. Like, what are you people doing? Okay, I got off track there. So the second thing on my watch list this week, this weekend, is the Brooke Shields documentary. And this is on Hulu. It is, I believe... I'm assuming it's only supposed to be two parts. There are currently two parts on Hulu and it is Brooke Shields talking about her 
life and things that she went through as, you know, a child star. I need to make sure that when I watch this, I am like focused and quiet and uninterrupted, but I'm very much looking forward to that. And last but not least, on Thursday, Hulu also put out a private behind the scenes of Courtney and Travis's wedding. And I am here for this too. I'm not a huge Kardashian person. I don't watch um, the Kardashians on, I didn't watch when they were on E! unless it was like there was nothing on and it was a marathon and I was getting old episodes. I have never even watched a single episode of their series on Hulu, but I I do like Courtney and I love Travis Barker. It might be unpopular opinion. I think I like them a lot together. I love their dynamic. So I'm really looking forward to watching this too. And that is now available on Hulu. I want to say it's called Till Death Do Us Part, but I honestly can't remember that either. But if you have Hulu, just go and, you know, search Kourtney Kardashian and it's going to come up. Those are my must-watch lists for myself this weekend. I hope that maybe you will join and we can talk about them on socials as well. And with that, I think I'm going to wrap up this episode. I hope that you have a wonderful weekend. As always, if you loved the show, please leave me a rate and review. Please send your comments on Spotify. You can comment right here on the podcast episode. I can see them. I can converse with you or feel free to DM me on Instagram and we can chat. I hope you have a great weekend and a great week and I'll see you next week in another episode. Bye.